Good morning, and invite you to uh, open up your text this morning if you brought your Bible with you or if you have an electronic Bible. Uh, we are in the book of Proverbs. We are in the 22nd chapter. You may not need to turn to it at all. It may be one that's stuck there from uh, days gone by or saw it on a side of a coffee cup some point. We're in Proverbs chapter 2, looking at verse 6. The church, as we uh, talk about building it, as we talk about coming back together, as we talk about uh, the doors and things like this becoming opened, and uh, you know, we are looking to reestablish and rebuild the church, we have to do some gathering of raw materials. We have to take a look at the plans, I think. I think we started off well with some raw materials this morning, I think. I think little David will fit in rather well. See, the church is a place for families. I know this because I've seen the signs. You drive east of here, and you'll see the sign that says, Kids Ministry every morning, you know, 10 a.m., come and join us. You drive north, and you'll see something about how teachers are an important uh, part of our kids' lives and play the, uh, the role they play. Vacation Bible school, this, kids' ministry, child, you know, raise up a child, this. It's everywhere. I've seen other signs, <clears throat> parents who come to church with children, or uh, children with their parents, or both, I guess. Uh, this morning, as we continue in the building of a church, we are bringing together these plans. We are bringing together the raw materials, things like the leadership that's required to do such things. And it's, it's a journey. It's no, no destination. And so we are thankful for this journey and for your joining and participating in this journey. And so as we begin in September, a new school year is upon us, a new ministry year is next week, you'll find people with clipboards or the dynamic equivalent telling you all about places like Church Center where you can sign up for things, or how you're gifted to be able to use them. And we peek around corners and looking for open signs and whether they've been turned over or not, the church, well, the church is open. Amen. And so we should look at what we should do with these raw materials. And so we look at Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6. I'll read the text this morning, but like I say, some of you may already know it. Train up a child in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not turn from it. This also said start a child in the way he should go. It's a uh, that's good. We'll get to that in a moment. It's really a challenge, isn't it? It's, well, it's a challenge on two fronts. <laughs> it's a challenge because uh, it's, well, it's a difficult thing to do, starting off a child well. But it's also a, a challenge in that it's a charge. It's something for us to do. First, it's a charge to the parents. <clears throat> you know, they have to do that day to day. You know, you brush your teeth. You know, go to bed, eat your vegetables. They must be dedicated. Oh, there, there's that word. I've called this message this morning, dedicated. Another wonderful word that carries a little bit of weight for us this morning. And so wonderful to hear about the dedication that we see in parents who stand up and upon coming to church, stand and read scripture and say, as we are blessed, we also want to bless others and see them blessed because we live in community. And there's the next challenge, isn't it? 
Well, how is someone supposed to train up a child in the way they should go unless the society around them tells them what way they should go? There's some social rules that we need to interact with. Culture and society does promote growth. We have that saying, it takes a whole village to raise one child. There's some truth to that. The community is involved, must be. Start them out the right way. That's, that's really what this verse means. Start them out the right way, and when they're old, they won't turn from it. Make sure you don't get that English word too confused here and make it do a little bit more work. See, dedication is a trait. It's a quality that perhaps we have. But it is also a verb to dedicate something. It is an action. You dedicate your child to the correct pathway. Many would say that includes the reading of Scripture, praying, bringing them to church. How is something supposed to know how things are supposed to work unless the parents or society contributes to it? You need, you need someone to teach them. You need grandma. <laughs> You know, you got the sly, smiling eyes of a defiant two-year-old testing grandma to see if they can get away with something they haven't been able to get away with all week. Ah, ah, no, ah, no. In my family, it was bah, bah, fees, bah, fees. <laughs> One lady in, our, uh, in a previous congregation that we were part of called herself the church oma, which is like the church grandma, and just loved holding babies. She was... Well, she was dedicated. We do have a challenge of content. Train up a child in the way they should go. What is the way they should go? What is the right way? That's a challenge. There's also the challenge of time, and I feel like this is where we sometimes get it wrong. When they are old, they will not depart from it. Well, it doesn't say immediately they will depart from it. It doesn't say in your lifetime you will see that departure. It says when they are old. And this is it. This is the time that we have and we are limited in that time in our starting them and our growing them and our encouraging them. I was watching recent television show, just a, a new show, and a father explaining to his son, says, son, your job as a father is to vie for the heart of your son every day, and that battle starts now. Is that really what it is? Is that what parenthood is, a battle for the everyday? God seems to think that we should at least start things off right. I have one friend, and upon um, being recently married, he and his wife, they had their first child together. Walking in the grocery store on a Saturday, um, they watched a frazzled mother of four boys wrestling with one while two others wrestled each other, and the other uh, held in his hand a bag of Cheetos marching down the, the aisle and said, I want it now. My friend said, she leaned into him and said, you know, if that were my kid. Nine months later, they had twins. And she got that child, I'll tell you. Raising kids is not easy. Train up a child in the way they should go. It's memorable. 
Easy? Oh, I'm not so sure. But it's catchy. It's pithy. We want to believe it, and it's easy for those words just to ramble out. Like I say, you could see them on the side of a coffee cup. But God is not a God of coffee cup Christianity. It's a good saying if you sprawl it on something in a decorative calligraphy font. But it can cause a lot of pain. I will not pretend that the role that we have in standing up here and promising leadership, promising pastoral guidance, we're standing before a promise-keeping God. And we do the best that we can to be stewards of all that he's given us, including our children, the programs at our church, and the difficult tasks that we undertake in trying to figure out what is the way they should go. Maybe the challenge is that the proverb really isn't a promise. Now stay with me for a moment. You see, when we read the Bible, we must make sure that we're using the appropriate resources that are available there. The Bible, the word biblos means book. It is a book, but it's really an anthology of books. It's a collection of books, and they have different genres of book, different things in there written by different people for different purposes. So, for instance... If you had a book or two on your coffee table uh, at home and you wanted to figure out how to program your new uh, remote control to work with your television, you wouldn't pick up a coloring book, would you? That wouldn't be of much help to you. In the same way, when we pick up the Proverbs, it's not the same as picking up any other book that's in our Bible. And it's part of our training. It's part of our right way in this for us to figure out how it is that God is looking to speak to us. Because for some of us, we need a proverb, a pithy, you know, one-liner. For some of us, we need the depths of Romans to plunge into for our lives. But we need God to tap us on the shoulder every once in a while and in ten words or less just remind us that he's in charge. Proverbs are great for this. Put it on a mug, but like I say, just be careful what you hang on it, that's all. A proverb can be best read as uh, as words between two people that contains wisdom that comes from another source, really, almost like an eternal source of wisdom. You know, there's Italian proverbs all about, you know, eat well and have good friends and all this sort of thing. That's a proverb. We also have these biblical proverbs. And it draws from a different kind of ancient wisdom. And that's where we have to remember that the proverb itself is a different proverb, is special, and does contain very uh, promise-like material because of God's promise-keeping nature. A proverb is very helpful in us understanding who he is and how he would like us to walk. You don't believe me. Well, uh, perhaps uh, take a look at, uh, I think it's a little bit later in Proverbs 24. Um, Answer a fool according to his folly. Right? That's what it says. Answer a fool according to his folly, and he shall turn away from it. The very next line, the very next verse is, 
Never answer a fool according to his folly, or you will be considered a fool yourself. <clears throat> now, you figure that one out. It's like going to your mom for advice and going to your dad. Um, it may not be the same thing. And so this is why we know that Proverbs require a little bit of care and attention. And so that's why at this moment now, for, for just a moment, I want to each of you who have, at the hands of someone who has wielded this verse and created pain in your life by saying to you, did you not lead them to the right way? Did you not start them right? Did you not have enough faith? It's not your fault. God is patient and kind, and he does not forget his promises. And his promise in this proverb is to be who he is. And that, that is something upon which we can rely. It's not a quarter in the gumball machine and waiting for the, the candy to drop. It doesn't always work that way. And you may never see that come to fruition. But what's beautiful is that God, from the very onset of our family, he asks us to celebrate this connection, celebrate community even within our family. And this is why it leads us to so much grief and loss. For when we look around the room and we see those people in our family that we wish were here, and we ask, what happened? Did we not train them well? Did we not start them off right? Were we not dedicated? Were they not? Where is, where is Hannah when you need her? <laughs> For those who said that you didn't do enough, I'm sorry. Because I think maybe it's the church that ran out of steam or ideas or took a left when they should have taken a right. We've had people trumpeting, saying, I told them, invest in the youth. Children are the future. And what they get instead? New robes for the choir. Maybe, I'm just spitballing here, but maybe the church, maybe the church wasn't as dedicated as it needed to be. I don't think I can call the previous generation less dedicated. Lives have been given for the church. There are holes in the knees of pants and carpets beside nightstands worn thin with the everyday lengthy petitions for God to hear. I actually have another story I just heard this week of a great-grandfather now passed away who was always known for being a bit wooden, you know, a little rough. He wasn't the easiest to get along with, my new friend was telling me. When I was a child in particular, he said, oh, he was strict. There were rules and you followed them. <laughs> if not, you were made to follow them. So when we went to church, he would have disputes or fights with somebody else and we'd end up in another church and then another church. It wasn't until years later that we came to understand that as a child himself, the eldest of ten, when his father died, he had to make a choice to walk a different path and to set a different path ahead of the nine younger. He decided to train up those children. He was dedicated. Train up a child in the way they should go. Hmm. 
Was that the way it should have gone for him? The text means train up, remind them, bring them back. Don't stop. Don't give up. And to remember that we will have services and meetings, that we will have times and, and words that we say together in public. And these actions are not just the actions of a building. It's the actions of a church. Because a church is not merely a place. It is a body in motion. And so the church needs to repeat things like dedications and rituals and creeds and stand and say, we believe in God the Father. And what good is it to be dedicated for, for the 60 years, the 80 years that we have on this, this planet? 60 probably when the Proverbs were, were being written. What good is it to rely upon my own ability to keep promise, to stick around. The Proverbs are there to remind us who God is. We do the rituals for us to remember. The Israelites did it. And this word that we use, train up a child, the word translates dedicate. They dedicated the children in a way they should go. The only other place in the Bible where the term dedicate is used are when they talk about houses, when they talk about walls, when they talk about buildings, and when they talk about the temple. They were dedicating stuff left, right, and center because they wanted things to stand in place as a thing to say, go on now, you know what to do. And should you forget, return to this place and read this inscription. And as we stand together, we're reminded of the promise. A promise that He has more for you. That He has more for your family. He has more for your marriage. He has more for your home. And so, we find ourselves dedicated. We dedicate ourselves. We make a promise as broken as it is to remain close to the one who always keeps his promises because his promises are richer than just having a well-trained child. That's not his promise. He wants you to be his child. That's his promise. We forget sometimes that this is what it means to be Christ, to be anointed. Messiah means anointed one, and so Christ means anointed one. And as, as Christ followers, we have oil dripping down our foreheads and oil gleaming from our door jams. See, the promise of a well-trained child may sound really good when you're walking around Walmart, but listen to what Peter says about how God feels about your children, my children, and your family. Peter says, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. He doesn't desire for anyone to perish. And so in Christ, his invitation, his promises are clear. 
We see this in Hebrews chapter 8 and 9. This new covenant that's being established. It says, for this reason, Christ is the mediator of the new covenant, that those who are called may receive the eternal, eternal inheritance. Now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed. He promises freedom from the guilt of sin as we repent and turn to him. His promise is to forgive all of those people who seek that forgiveness. Male, female, young, old, first time to church, long time attender, shut in or hoping that someone remembers you're there. You may wonder what it is, what is so difficult about the people that God has called to be the leaders, uh, what is so different, pardon me, about the people that God has called to be leaders. We're going to assemble them here shortly, some of the new leaders and some of the outgoing leaders. You may say to yourself, why them? You know, what, what's special? Are they special in some way? And in a way, sure, yes, God has called them to a specific task. He, and thankfully, those whom he calls, he equips. You see, he never sends you to, tool, uh, to, to work without any tools. And so this morning, we get to, to dedicate them as well. We get to dedicate their time and pray that God starts them off well. You see, there is something special about these leaders. There is something different. Some of them, actually, if you get to know them, there's something rather different about some of them. But we are all called, and we are all equipped, and we have the tools to contribute to the toolbox, and what's different is they're willing to stand up and ask you to do the same. They're willing to ask, are you ready for this challenge? And they're willing to walk with you to help you see what God is in store. And it may not be that we're going to ask every Sunday school or every uh, teacher or every person on, on greeting ministry to stand up here and, and, and say a few words, but we are commissioning the work of the whole church, the building of the whole church. Your work today is what we are commissioning. Because to be dedicated is to be willing to set aside time for what God has in store. To commit to walk away that is challenging to our sensitivities at times. But it'll help us discover more about who we are. And if that isn't what being a parent is, getting out of the way so that your child can discover who they are safely as an image bearer of God. You may still have this nagging question about Proverbs 22. Why is this verse here? Why is it there? Have we forgotten the children? Well, Pastor Joan will tell you she doesn't want you to forget the children. We stood up a couple weeks ago and we said, we do God helping us. Even if you weren't here, you're part of the church. And this is how the church is. It's a constantly shifting and shaping, uh, shifting in shape and there are some that are going to be here this weekend and others gone next. But we still stand together and say the pledge is one because we are the church. And though our promises are broken, we come together to, to remember His promises are not. Our faith is in Him and our work in the church is not just for those who are gathered at any one time visibly, the church is more than this. It's timeless. 
somewhat separated because it's always sent. Always changing because always invited. Many times tired because always called to action. You know what they are? They're dedicated. There's a pastor friend of mine. He's, uh, he's retired now. He's got the distinction of living in my head as the person I think of when I think of uh, a pastor who, who served one church and one church alone for the entirety of his ministry. And I'm going to tell you, that's a little bit rare. And I remember um, chatting to him, and he, he graduated from seminary in May, took the call in June, and was there for 36 years. Same church. That's rare in any church. It's even more rare in the Christian Reformed Church of which we are a part. But he heard that call and he answered it. And he participated in the actions of building that church. And he stayed there. And while he was there, he got to be a part of so many things. One of them was in, as this congregation grew larger, it started being filled with people from different cultures and people from all over the world settled in the city with different ideas as to how church gets built. We were talking once and he said, you know, Josh, one of the things I love about being a pastor, it's like on my top ten, is that we're invited into some of the most special places and times of people's lives and they invite us into that. That's unbelievable. We get into hospital rooms, we get into their homes, and then he shows me a picture of him holding a newborn baby He's wearing like half, half wear, wearing a patient's smock, and he's smiling as if this little Latino child is his, you know, like I mean, just ear to ear. He says they dedicate themselves to God as much as we dedicate ourselves to helping them to see him in the everywhere. When they ask me to come and bless their new child or new house that they just bought, <laughs> I bring the oil. Every Sunday... He, go on, he went on to tell me, he said, for 36 years, he walked through the, the doors of the church and at the back of the sanctuary, the same one used by everyone who would walk in for worship in a couple of hours. After 36 years, the old oak casement above the door had a suspicious sheen. Weekly treatments of anointing oil on the frames of every door. Every pathway anointed with the scent and the prayers going ahead for what was to come. What was he doing? He was dedicating. He was blessing the house. And so brothers and sisters, some of you may rejoice in the truth of this scripture. Some of you may lament. But all the toughness that is this task of training up and starting off well. It is God, it is God who says, you are my children, and my children are important to me. You will fail to be a perfect example. So don't be perfect. But rather, live a life that demonstrates what forgiveness looks like, what forgiveness sounds like, and what a forgiven person does. What we know of God from his word is that he is loving and patient, and what we are called to do 
is to live lives in such a way so that those around us, and especially perhaps this morning, will focus on our children. In the coming and the going, in the laying down and the getting up, that we can impress these truths of God upon the next generation. This is why we continue to assemble as a church. This is why we covenant with God and with this community of believers to do His work. We do this so that our children and those willing to watch can see themselves be a part of His story. You see, you too can build a church because God is not a God who abides coffee cup Christianity, but rather in the rich volumes of the oiled and growing library called the church. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your dedication to us. We are humbled by your presence with us and that you saw fit to assemble us together this morning And as many as are called, we know that you're present here with us, and so we thank you for that. We thank you for your promise to be with us when we gather in your name. We thank you that you promise that your Holy Spirit will guide us, give us peace, lead us in truth. And so, Lord, as we now rely upon your promises again, we lift up our voices to you. For how else can we but praise you, God, for your many promises to us? I pray for those, Lord, who may not know of those promises this morning, maybe attending this church or online who have come across this and are hearing about these promises for the first time. Lord, I ask that you give opportunity for the Holy Spirit to to move and lead so that they may find themselves a brick in in this church community, in your church, as you would have that church to grow. So, Lord, we thank you for your your grace, and your patience to us. May we serve you faithfully, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.